0: Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, alongside my great friend and co-host here at the pod, Mr. Brent Beard, a longtime college football analyst there at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, and of course a longtime voter for the most prestigious individual honor in collegiate athletics, The Heisman Trophy and Brent, here we go, man, down to our final weekend of action in the first full month of college football action for the 2022 season. I know we've said it before, but before it gets here, it's almost like it's over and uh, we're we're trying to maintain at this point.
1: Just unbelievable. Uh, Nothing goes as quickly as college football season does. Uh, and look, uh uh you've looked at that October schedule like I have and in the SEC. Uh can we safely say things get pretty serious next week after after non conference games and so forth. I know we've had a few conference games obviously, but it 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 hits another gear in October one, doesn't it, Trev? No doubt about it. And as
0: we head into the final weekend of the first full month of the season You know, we went into this season sort of wondering about who are teams three through maybe even eight or nine once you got beyond Alabama and Georgia. I think we understand at this point, Georgia, clearly the top team in the league to this point, Alabama, not that far off. And before we go too far overboard with maybe even considering to count out Alabama, this is almost a similar narrative to a year ago when you talked about these two teams at the top. But. In that next tier or so, uh, still trying to sort some things out. I think there's some promising teams there in those three, four, five, six uh, holes, uh, maybe even into seven. But I'll tell you this, when it comes down to which team in the league is the worst football team <laughs> in the SEC right now, there's competition for that spot, too, oh, Brent.
1: My, and... Uh, uh, the, Trev, those Missouri Tigers are in that mix, are they not? <laughs> just, just. They are in that mix. And the team they're playing Saturday. Nice segue, oh. by the way.
0: Tigers with not a lot of bite right now. Oh. Missouri and Auburn playing in that noon Eastern slot on ESPN on the Plains. Missouri gets a win, uh, you know, a, a, a sort of feel-good win against an inferior opponent over the weekend. Uh, Luther Burden with a punt return some excitement there from the true freshman wide receiver Brady Cook on paper once again looks pretty good statistically Uh, you didn't anticipate uh, the type of opponent in Abilene Christian running the ball or taking advantage of the Missouri defense in that way so that did not happen but boy I'll tell you for Auburn it we're beyond the crossroads I think at this point with Brian Harson and where that situation goes after the thumping Penn State laid on the Tigers last Saturday
1: well it's pretty obvious the Auburn media uh, are not uh, uh, impressed uh, with anything that that has happened now uh, we learned that TJ Finley is out with an injury uh, so at that point uh, is this a Robbie Ashford uh situation that that they're going to be looking at uh, I'm Travis, I'm still mystified at how little Tank Bigsby is getting the football uh, uh, at critical times. Uh, w- w- which, And again, credit Penn State, they really just overwhelmed Auburn. They put a lot of pressure on both Ashford and Yeah, Auburn, Auburn couldn't block them, right? No, I mean, no. that, that,
0: that was no. the biggest problem for the Tigers Saturday.
1: Yeah, uh, well, and, and that that went on and they did and on top of that they didn't tackle very well but. no no so so can we say uh this is not a real good fundamental football no. team uh at this point and people are already speculating on when uh brian harson could get fired uh in this in this situation too but look the and the other thing with auburn Travis, it does not get any easier by any stretch of the imagination after Missouri. Oh my, LSU, Georgian and Ole Miss, which brings some of the, the speculation up of Harson being fired possibly in that off week. Uh, but it, I don't, I, I don't remember unless you do when we have seen. Uh, and an Auburn line of scrimmage that has struggled the way this one has. Yeah, you knew there were some key departures on the defensive side,
0: but you've almost grown accustomed to where Auburn is concerned. There's always another wave coming of defensive linemen, as much as any other position or area of Auburn football throughout the years, including running back. And we know that's been a loaded situation uh, throughout the course of the history of Auburn football defensive tackle, defensive line, that has been sort of the signature of Auburn football throughout history. And so, to see Auburn struggle on both lines of scrimmage like that uh against Penn State on Saturday was sobering to say the least. I think a lot of Auburn fans right now like the ring of uh Harson's Cornhuskers or Harson's Huskers, oh, maybe yeah. something yeah. like that for 2023, but you're right, the quarterback situation Uh, is is where most eyes are going to focus right now. And so, uh, we'll see coming up. I, I I think I should like Auburn in this game Saturday, because let me tell you, Missouri ain't much, No, but, uh, this could be a a supreme contest in ineptitude, uh, with the early kickoff Saturday morning, central time there down on the plains, uh, don't have a great feel for that game. Either way, also in the early window on Saturday, Kent State traveling to Georgia. Boy, Georgia just once again machine-like and taking apart South Carolina on the road last Saturday in Columbia. You know, there was a time, Brent, where when some of these MAC programs would show up on your schedule, Mm -hmm. especially maybe in a sandwich-type situation or even in some instances be regarded as a trap-type situation, you might have a little bit of a reason for concern, but with the way Georgia's playing, first and foremost, and the Mac not exactly being the Mac of, say, 15, 20 years ago, it uh, looks like the dogs will continue to cruise through the month of September.
1: Well, here's a note of irony here, Travis. Uh, after Kent State, Georgia plays, oh, Missouri, then Auburn. How about that? So, so uh, and, and Tra- That's a reward for Missouri and Auburn after their game Saturday.
0: Yeah, jeez.
1: Oh, the uh, uh, Trav, I'm talking to the Jacksonville, Georgia Bulldog Club on Thursday night. Uh, is a uh, hey Trav, is there any reason to do any study, or shall I just go there? And, <laughs> shall I just go there and say? Uh, well, who's your favorite player? And they may be playing better than they were last year. So.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah, Stetson Bennett, just tremendous. You know, I was kind of pushing Stetson for some Heisman love down the stretch of the 2021 season. No reason to stop at this point. He has been simply terrific uh, yeah. through three starts we're- so far this season. Uh, it's a Georgia team. I was asked about this the other day. What do I in- – and sort of see as the separator right now between Georgia and Alabama. I think it's continuity on offense. I think Georgia not only has some major carryover in that regard, especially with their backs, even though they lost to James Cook and uh, you know, some other important players at that position. Uh They have guys like Kendall Milton back. They have a Kenny McIntosh back, but they have those tight ends. And as long as Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, those guys between the hashes with, once again, a very formidable offensive line and a capable quarterback, they don't need to get outside the hashes much. But then they do it because they catch you so focused and overemphasizing that area from a defensive standpoint. They run the end of rounds. They run some... Trickoration, I guess you could call it, with guys like Lad McConkey,
1: and you know they produce explosive plays too. I had a chance to talk to a Georgia beat writer about this last night and said, well, "What is the key to this team?" He made an interesting observation, which I, which knowing you, you've already picked up on. What he said is probably for the first time since Kirby has been there that he is now trusting his offensive coordinator, which means that he basically has given Todd Monk and free reign and they've gotten very creative uh, w- with the weapons that they have got, which I thought was interesting. Now they've scored in 21 to 27 possessions. They uh, Travis in, in 2014, they uh, averaged 41 points a game, which was a record for them. Well, they're averaging 43 right now. I'm not saying they're gonna uh-huh. they're gonna break that necessarily. And and my stars, the defense has allowed 10 total points in three games. Now, I'm curious your take on this. Tra, Trav is a Heisman voter. Uh, I I know about the um, the favorites, but I'm telling you, I, I'm paying real close attention to to Brock Bowers at uh, Trav. Yeah, it, 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 Trav, At this point. Could you make an argument that, that if he continues on this level, that, that Bowers could be the SEC offensive MVP for the league? He could be.
0: You know, it, it may very well come down to, to Bennett and Bowers.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, and that's understanding there's still some other guys in this conference, especially at the quarterback position, sure. that uh, can put up some video game numbers the rest of the way. But just looking at it right now, in some way similar to a year ago at Alabama, with Bryce Young and Will Anderson on the other side of the ball. Uh, But Bowers is an offensive weapon. He is not a tight end. He's not a wide receiver. He's not a running back. He is just an all-around weapon, extremely fun to watch. Uh, And so from that perspective, it could be interesting to see if maybe Stetson Bennett and Brock Bowers detract from one another a little bit in some of these races for individual honors, but man, they absolutely have it going on right now. And even with all the departures on the defensive side of the ball from a year ago, we're not seeing any real drop off from the dogs over there. Also at noon on Saturday, speaking of Mac and sec matchups, the Falcons of bowling green, make the trip to Starkville to take on Brent. What I can only imagine to be a, a crestfallen oh. Mississippi State team after letting that opportunity get away from themselves down in Baton Rouge last Saturday night.
1: Look, something that you said a few weeks ago really rings true. I I like Leach. I like what they've done. I really like Will Rogers. But there's just something about this team, Travis, when they get into a – situation with an LSU or an Alabama uh, or a Georgia that their inability to go vertically with the ball at some point really catches up with them. Uh, The offensive line could not hold LSU's pass rush. Will Rogers actually was, was somewhat uh, off target uh, in that situation. So uh, again, uh, the vertical passing game Uh, is summed up with they have Travis they have 10 completions of 20 or more yards so far and that is it
0: yeah I mean Leach in that offense historically it's been six seven yards per pass attempt not an offense that is going to light you up with the vertical game or even much in the way of yards after the catch so it's been an issue here's the thing with Mississippi State, too, in that offense. Against teams with really good defensive fronts or with large advantages up front in that area, like LSU had, even without Mason Smith, right? Yes. Uh, the defensive lineman for LSU in that game Saturday night. They are able to rush for a lot of times. They don't have to bring an extra guy. Mm-mm. And they can play seven, eight-man coverage Absolutely. on the back end. And that's a real problem for Mississippi State and Mike Leach. You look at the last two years in games against teams like, well, Alabama. Alabama's done it each of the last two years. Yep, sure Nick held. Saban isn't a big zone guy. He is not at all. He likes to play that man coverage on the outside. But what Alabama has done is said, okay, we're going to rush four and get there with four, and then we're going to drop seven or eight, and Will Rogers or your quarterback is going to throw it to us or you know, not have his best night, and uh, that continues to be problematic. I also thought, um, you know, obviously the the fumbled punt, the muff punt oh, return yeah. there right. in a sixteen to ten game in which Mississippi State led and gave LSU the nine yard field to take the lead there in the second half was the turning point in the game. But still, just from a roster perspective, I see things like Jaden Daniels running for big yards in a game mm-hmm. like that from the quarterback position and. Kind of goes back to State just not having that type of speed and talent at some positions like linebacker where they got a guy that can run with a Jaden Daniels or at least keep him in front. And so, boy, that was a tough one for Mississippi State, which led, what, 13 to nothing in the first oh, half? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it really, you could say Mississippi State lost that game in the first half because it just felt like at the half, when it was 13 to 7, it felt like it should have been a much bigger Mississippi State lead.
1: Uh, Travis, do they miss an extra point? Uh, I'm not saying, I'm not saying every game, but, but, but about one out of three, yeah. they miss an extra point. Oh, they? <laughs> they've taken over for out Al,
0: from Alabama they have, in that they? regard. we yeah. talked about that on the pod here in the recent weeks. Used to be, you held your breath whenever Alabama kicked oh, yes. an extra point, but Absolutely. with was not so much. Uh, now it's uh, it's it's over to Mississippi State And look, Leach tried in the offseason It's not like he's just sort of glossed it over Went out, got a couple kickers Changed things around Did a lot of different things with his special team staff And, uh, you know, still missing extra points in Starkville Boy, a big one we're looking forward to At 3.30 Eastern on Saturday The CBS game this week Florida at Tennessee the Vols, you talk about a program that has struggled against the Gators historically. Um, this is one of those, I think Josh Heupel's in such a good place that even if Florida somehow goes into Knoxville and keeps that mystique going over the Vols, I, I think he's fine. But wouldn't hurt Josh Heupel to go ahead and, and take care of this situation, would it?
1: No, it sure wouldn't, uh, and uh, uh, the excitement over this game in, in Knoxville right now is just beyond words, frankly, and, and Tennessee continues to uh, play well. I mean, they destroyed Anchor and Hinton Hooker, uh, very good. Uh, Cedric Tillman, the same. This Jalen Hyatt, uh, another wide receiver, five for 166, is getting a lot of attention, too. Now, one thing that we talked about for them, and look, I know some of this is deceiving, but their defense had to get better. They were allowing basically 30 points a game last year. Uh, that's now down to 14.3. And on third down conversions, last year was, a, was an amazing allowing 42%. <laughs> this year's 23. Now, look. We've got to get realistic with this because some of that was Ball State and Akron, but travel, we talked all the offseason. They're only going to get as better as their defense is improved. So, And before we get into Florida, the point needs to be made, uh, look, they're not the 85 Bears, but they are getting some better. Yeah, I, I would
0: I would say that's statistically proving to be the case to this point. And, um, you know, we'll talk about Florida a little bit here in just a second, but what about the health status of a couple of these skill guys for Tennessee, uh, Cedric Tillman, Jabari small, uh, you talk about key pieces to that oh, wow. offense with Florida on tap.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, there's some question about both those guys, isn't there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I don't think we'll get a definitive answer till Saturday. Will we Trav? <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. Um, but yeah. When
0: you look at it from the Florida perspective, I don't know if another SEC team has made it as fun or as interesting in each of its three games this season Mm -hmm. as the Gators have. I think, unfortunately for Florida, a lot of that goes back to the quarterback position. Uh, The up-and-down play of Anthony Richardson kind of coincides with the play of that team in general, but... You know, I think defensively, this is a Florida team that needs to hurry up and improve a good bit before making that trip to uh, to Rocky Top on Saturday.
1: They've got to get Ventrell Miller back, and and there's some doubt that the linebacker is going to play when he's out on the field. Not only does he make some plays for them, but he's also basically their leader uh, in a lot of ways. Helps them get lined up and so forth, and, and that that's one of the things that they are missing. Now, again. Uh, and we've said all along, their their strength, and Tennessee knows this, is their offensive line and their running backs. Uh, I mean, uh, goodness, Montreal Johnson's averaging uh, nine yards a carry. Trevor Etienne is averaging seven. Uh, but Richardson is just not making good decisions. Zero touchdown passes, four picks at this point. Uh, I mean, the offensive line is, is done okay but they've got to get more people involved here. Uh, and I can tell you, Trav, and, and I'm, I'm curious if you've heard the same thing, if Jack Miller, the Ohio State quarterback, would have been healthy, I'm not saying he would have replaced Richardson, but he would have certainly played a little bit, maybe just to give Richardson a chance to uh, stand on the sidelines and and take a look around. But, uh, look, Florida cannot win a track meet. With Tennessee, there's no way in the world that's going to happen. If they could control the ball and be able to uh, d- to run, uh, use the clock, that that would help them considerably. But I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm guessing, uh, pops uh, has probably been yeah walking but pacing back and forth. On Nana's carpet, and uh, uh, made a new path in that area. By now, hasn't he?
0: well, he's been kind of matter of fact because he's he hasn't been high on Anthony Richardson at the quarterback yeah. position. Right. So the last couple of weeks have just been like, well, you know, it's kind of what he was expecting. Right. Um, yeah, I think that Florida, you have to give a ton of credit for that run game. And you mentioned Jack Miller and his in, a, in availability. It makes me wonder if he were available would we see more design quarterback runs for Mm -hmm. Anthony Richardson? Not that the backs haven't been really, really productive, but as far as getting the most out of Richardson as a quarterback, um, going more of a total offensive skill weapon approach with him, uh, it it makes me wonder at least, but I don't like Florida at all. Now, again, a couple of those injury situations that, that Tennessee's um, you know, it should be okay with uh, is part of that. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's had some opportunities in some big spots in the past and uh, going back 15, 16 years now. And it has come up short more often than not. So a lot of things in play for the balls when they host Nemesis Florida at 3:30 Saturday on CBS. DraftKings changed the fantasy football game forever in 2012. Now 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. That's right, there's a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football and a new shot to win millions in prizes. All of it from the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards are the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, you'll craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TP. PN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions and prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Four o'clock Eastern on SEC Network Saturday. Ole Miss returns home fresh off a absolute shellacking of Georgia Tech on the Flats last Mm. Saturday. A shutout for the Ole Miss Rebels of the Yellow Jackets, who Ole Miss now will take on the Golden Hurricane of Tulsa. Boy, you know, we talk about that tier of teams once you get beyond the Big Two and the SEC. I think Ole Miss has to be right there in that discussion. I know Tennessee. I know Arkansas. uh, LSU. Uh, a lot of good teams in this league, but Ole Miss sitting there as a top fifteen type team in the nation right now. Brent, uh, what's their what's their viability as a as a number three team in the league right now?
1: Well, I think it's very possible that they could be. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, we've mentioned recently how good of a rushing attack that they've had. Well, this year's it, it is no different. They lead the league in rush. I mean, that's amazing in some ways, 271 yards a game. Zach Evans is what they wanted in it. draft. The TCU transfer, 134 yards last week against Dak, and Quinson Junkins, he had 100 uh, himself. So uh, they – and then uh, they're still trying to work on, I think, the quarterback situation. Jackson Dart is okay. Ten of sixteen for two oh seven. I mean, that's not bad. Maybe stretching the imagination, but yeah, I think they've got a lot of folks taking a uh, a serious look at them and and, and kind of kind of where they are. uh, Obviously, bigger fish to fry, uh, and this this will be a uh, tune up for them, Travis, with a humongous game next week against Kentucky. Which <laughs> think about this, Trav. Now, because of of, of where those two teams are in the polls, and, and certainly in, in their positions in the conference, that's one of the biggest games of the week next week, isn't it?
0: It is, and it's still got the 11 a.m. local time yeah. kick. Uh, for yeah. For that game, and I don't think either one of those programs appreciated it, but you got. Alabama and Arkansas in a potential top 10 matchup coming up later that day on CBS. So absolutely a huge Saturday shaping up in a week's time within the Southeastern Conference. But you're right, man. Boy, you think about this Ole Miss offense, and we talked about it a week ago, and I felt this way for a while. Maybe one of the more undervalued units in the Southeastern Conference right now is the Ole Miss offensive line. Yes, And they brought back a good bit of experience and talent. Uh, They went to the transfer portal and upgraded at a tackle spot. Uh, But you're right. Evans and Judkins just absolutely bludgeoned Georgia Tech last Saturday with 37 combined carries for 200, actually 300, no, 232 rushing yards total uh, between them, four rushing touchdowns. And even Jackson Dart doing some stuff as runner yeah. and kind of goes back to the luxury that lane has right now in that. I think he likes both his quarterbacks. He likes Luke yes. Altmeyer. So he's not going to be as reserved or guarded with how he goes about utilizing Jackson dart also as a runner in this offense. And, you know, a year ago, Matt Corral, uh, was, was a big part of that. The last two years, Matt Corral was a big part of that, but, Boy, when Ole Miss did go to the air against Georgia Tech, especially effective, averaging nearly 13 yards per attempt while Dart was in the game. So you expect Ole Miss to take care of Tulsa in advance of that showdown with Kentucky. Then coming up on Saturday, we get into that 7 o'clock Eastern window and a big one out in the Metroplex, Brent. Arkansas and Texas AM. a game that, Kind of sent A&M towards those four losses a year ago, although we know the Aggies a couple weeks after the loss to Arkansas in 2021 rebounded with a win over Alabama in College Station. But we wanted to see Max Johnson at the quarterback position for A&M. It happened against Miami last Saturday night. I wouldn't say it was a dynamic or an explosive performance for the Texas A&M offense, but there's always stuff to consider with Jimbo's teams, right? Suspensions, who's available, who's not. But it was kind of the staples of this A&M team, I guess, that helped them get it done against the visiting Hurricanes.
1: Well, I think there were two things that happened in that game. One, uh, frankly, uh, Jimbo out coach Mario Cristobal uh, in some areas. I give A&M credit with all the suspensions in the second year, particularly they had. And, and again, Trav... Uh, <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke and uh, uh, particularly Chris Ball did not go down the field uh, on that depleted secondary like they should have. But uh, I, w- I would say the best thing that Jimbo did was he put the ball in, in uh, and Devin A-Chain's hands, uh, yeah. uh, for, and and look, uh, catching the ball and running the ball, uh, if you get the ball in his hands and Anaya Smith – uh there's something that's probably the best thing he can do.
0: Yeah, the, the best thing Jimbo did was let Mario keep kicking field goals or trying field goals because Absolutely. Mario was totally content. It was yes. it was interesting to me. And I and I believe Miami had a key injury uh at wide receiver that oh, they did that, that yes. played into this. But um I, I in the offseason I kept seeing Tyler Van Dyke in all these first round mocks. For the twenty twenty three draft. And then I watched the game Saturday night and Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, is calling a game more befitting of a first time starter, like a true yeah, freshman. Absolutely. It's like it's like their game plan was don't let Van Dyke get us yeah. beat, you right. know. And this guy is supposed to be one of those guys mm-hmm. for the upcoming NFL draft. It it sort of flew in the face of of that notion anyway. But the bottom line is AM needed a win following the defeat at home at the hands of Appalachian State. They get the job done. What about Arkansas with Bobby Petrino? It's 17 to nothing, Missouri <laughs> State, early. Really? Oh, yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. just. I, it, it's like this cannot be happening in Bobby no. Petrino's return on family night at Reynolds <laughs> Razorback Stadium, Brent.
1: Uh, and, and by the way, Trev, they were up by 10 in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> Just amazing. And then Yeah, and then Rocket
0: that, Sanders happened.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. It scored three straight touchdowns uh, to win the game. Sanders, by the way, oh, mercy, 167 yards, leads the SEC with 440 Jefferson, uh, 19 of 31 for 385. Now, what's interesting is uh, uh, to me is their their defense situation. Now, one thing I learned from you years ago is when a defense leads in one area, you need to look in the other and see if there's a problem. And there is with this. Arkansas leads the nation in sacks. But they also have the worst pass defense in the country. if the ball gets out, it's a problem,
0: especially yes. with Jalen Catalan out now. Uh-oh. and I believe Miles Slusher has also been out back, yeah, there. yeah, yes. yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, the uh, uh reality is, uh now, now again, Travis drew Sanders has just been an absolute phenomenal uh yeah. it's what he has done there at the linebacker position be, being all over the uh the field. so the reality of it is i Travis, I think in this game that who whoever they am quarterback's going to be uh, and will it be Max Johnson again who is ten of twenty for one forty that's not set the world on fire either uh so. Uh, can uh, with this pass rush for for Arkansas, uh, that's going to be a real key for this game. If they can keep Johnson under wraps, uh, but if he's able to get the ball out to to Anaya Smith, that that's going to be a really fascinating situation Trav, How this thing goes, and, and and again, as big of a rivalry as as this is, and this is typical of the SEC. Huge rivalry game. Uh, And, oh, by the way, uh, the Hugs then go home next week and play Alabama. Yeah. This is a kind of game where CBS
0: could come out smelling pretty good regardless of the outcome. Arkansas wins the game. CBS has uh, Arkansas-Alabama at 3.30 Eastern the next Saturday. A&M wins the game. You could have A&M-Alabama in primetime with a Mm one-loss Texas A&M team, although – I will not give I think Am goes to Mississippi State uh, October 1st and so uh, uh, yeah. I, I'm not willing I'm not willing to give am that game no, so no, no. that might be that might be looking a little too far ahead no, I no. think the key and you hit on this is vertical passing game if you can give Max Johnson time mm-hmm. which you know could prove problematic against this Arkansas pass rush there is money to be made against that back end. But there's also some questions as much as I love Max Johnson, can he push the ball down the field consistently yep. right. and and really take advantage of that? And so uh, I think Arkansas gets the job done. Brent, not sure about you, but uh, I like a and a lot more with Max Johnson in the game than I did otherwise.
1: Yeah, I'm, I agree with that. Now, I'm with you. I do like Arkansas. I, I they, could Sanders – well, really both Sanders, I guess, Travis. Could could the Sanders brothers make make that much of a difference in this game? I think that is probably very possible. Uh, they but, better. For Arkansas yeah. to win, I don't know how they,
0: they don't, right? Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, w- I would be very interested to know uh, what, what does Sam Pittman do, Trav, in the meantime – to do something over the next few weeks to shore up that Arkansas secondary. Also
0: at 7 Eastern on Saturday night, Northern Illinois on a bit of an SEC tour here. Back-to-back SEC really? opponents for the Huskies of DeKalb, Illinois, as they traveled to Lexington to take on 8th-ranked Kentucky. That's right. I said 8th-ranked <laughs> Kentucky. Brent, what about that? Bob's, uh, excuse me, Mark Stoops. His brother Bob, I believe, was in attendance he was. for that game against Youngstown. We talked about it last week. Now, Youngstown is Stoops' town. Uh, that's, yes. that's their that's yes. their hometown, and uh, so Kentucky takes care of business. Workman-like performance once again
1: from the Wildcats. Uh, Will Levis, Trevor. How about these numbers? Twenty-seven of thirty-five for three seventy-seven. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, they uh, uh, Kibosy Smoke sixty-six. Uh, Kentucky struggling, uh, running the ball next to last at this point in rushing offense, 74 yards a game. I, I, I really do wonder what they're going to do. Uh, now, obviously, Chris Rodriguez, we think, have you heard the same thing? Trav is supposed to be back October 1. Uh, if, if that is the case uh, in that old Miss game, that's going to make a – uh, a, a huge difference, but again, uh, somewhat under the radar. Uh, but uh, the Kentucky has been, if you can be that way, in a top ten. How about the defense, allowing 9.7 uh, uh, ba- basically yards per game? Uh, uh, very nasty. Uh, that that's going to be uh, points per game. That's uh, that's a really nasty group. Uh, I, I think they have been uh, probably undervalued in a lot of ways. So kudos to Soups or what he has done with this bunch.
0: Seven thirty Eastern on Saturday night, SEC Network. You've got an SEC opener for Vanderbilt and Alabama. The Commodores at three and one after their second straight road win. Of the young season. Uh, that one over the aforementioned Huskies at Northern Illinois on the road had to come back. We're down there. And uh, AJ Swan, the true freshman quarterback for Vanderbilt. You know, Will Shepard is a nice sort of security blanket there on the outside, but mm-hmm. uh, they were able to get it done. Shepard with just a monster game in that win over NIU last Saturday.
1: Yeah, and Swan has been a really nice surprise to them uh, to a degree. He's a freshman, 18 to 28 for 255. Uh, he doesn't have the wheels that Mike Wright does. And frankly, that's a pretty decent situation that they've got kind of a, uh, if some happens to Swan, they, they can go to him. But uh, Vanderbilt, um, it, it, we thought we thought maybe a, Uh, A little bit of optimism for a possible bowl game, but that's I think that's out at this point, although some strange things can happen. But at the same time, uh, Alabama, uh, certainly a lot more uh, efficient, uh, getting the the stars involved that they wanted to. Bryce Young, 13 of 18. Uh, Jameer Gibbs had a really good game about my third in the league in rushing at this point, still, still some stuff to do. I know you're writing about guys like Tyler Booker on the offensive line, who, who Nick Saban obviously uh, really likes what he has done. Uh, but Travis, a real weapon for the Tide on kick returns with Kool Aid McKinstry, Brian Branch. Uh, and and also some credit for Jahim Otis on that D line stepping up. So uh, a good performance for the Tide.
0: Yeah, it was ULM. We understand that, but you know it was a sort of needed performance. Cleaned up a lot of the mistakes, especially on the defensive side that you saw in the in the win over Texas the previous week. But no, the, the punt return team, not only returning punts but blocking a punt. In that win over ULM for a touchdown, and Alabama set to take on Vanderbilt Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I wonder if we might see Mike Wright a little bit in that game. Maybe. With that Alabama pass rush and you know maybe try to throw a series or two to Wright and let him use his legs because that's not exactly Swan's. Strong point. Eh, Maybe we'll see a couple quarterbacks for the Commodores this week. 730 Eastern, also on Saturday night. SEC Network Plus, New Mexico from the Mountain West Conference travels to Baton Rouge. LSU, as we talked about earlier in the pod, coming off an important win. An SEC debut win for Brian Kelly. And Jaden Daniels looks like he's continuing to build some confidence there behind center. Uh, and the defense, as you mentioned, really key. As the Tigers shut out visiting Mississippi State twenty-one to nothing. Actually, it was. I guess it was more than that, right? Twenty-four to. Uh, I'll get it right. Twenty-four to three, I guess, there in the second yeah. half and back.
1: Yes, <laughs> Jaden Daniels playing well. uh Twenty-two of 30, thirty-seven to ten. I tell you, guy, that that's been impressive. Malik Neighbors the wide receiver has really come on with him too. Malik neighbors had a, uh, obviously an awful game uh, to begin the year against Florida state. So they have stayed with him and been very impressed, uh, with what they've got big win over Mississippi state. Uh, and they're, they're kind of rounding into a little bit, uh, of what we thought they would be. I, I look, Brian Kelly knows what he's doing. Uh, And if he's given time with this team and, and and trying to back up what you said, outscoring state 31 to three (laughs) good gracious alive. Uh, But again, um, Emory Jones uh, back uh, playing a little bit. The defense deserves a lot of credit state threw the ball 42 times. LSU only allowed 214 yards. So I, I, I can see things beginning to get together for them they will certainly need that uh, October 1 uh, with Auburn and Travis in a incredibly intriguing game that we'll get on to later obviously Tennessee comes to Baton Rouge on October the 8th mm-hmm. uh, what what a what a fascinating game that's going to be on that time.
0: Yeah, we like to get ahead of ourselves you know, (laughs) in the preseason and the offseason and talk about circle dates on the Mm. schedule. And Mm -hmm. October 15th with Alabama-Tennessee is certainly one of those. But absolutely, I've had my eyes on LSU hosting Tennessee the previous week for quite some time now, too. So uh, it never gets easier once you get into October in the Southeastern Conference. Finally, on Saturday, also in that 7.30 Eastern window, on ESPN, you, I like to call it the Carowinds Cup, Charlotte and <laughs> South Carolina, because yeah. it's kind of that stretch there between Columbia and uh, Charlotte. You go by the Carowinds uh, amusement park there. Uh, boy, this is a Charlotte team. I know it's had issues at the quarterback position so far this season at one and three, but couldn't come at a better time for South Carolina. And what was in terms of discouraging performance is not because South Carolina lost the game because we all expected Georgia to win the game, but to be taken apart in the manner in which South Carolina was and understanding South Carolina had some injuries and Mm -hmm. not just some, but some significant injuries going into that game. That was maybe the first time to this point of Shane Beamer's tenure there where I thought, uh Oh, a little bit now, you know, this is a team that can turn around, certainly, as early as this week. Uh, but your thoughts on where South Carolina might be headed from here, Brent?
1: Well, uh, and unfortunately for them, they've started with uh, with games the Arkansas and Georgia in September, so that hasn't helped them. Spencer Rattler, uh, very pedestrian numbers. Obviously, it was Georgia, 13-25, to 25, 118. A real concern to travel. We've talked about this the entire offseason and during the year. South Carolina is last in the sec and running the ball uh 70 yards per game they they had a couple of third down situations they they were third and six they run the ball for one yard then it was third and eight have an inside handoff for one yard Trav, that was a that was the closest thing to the men against the boys that, that I've seen in a, in quite a while. I mean, Stenson Bennett, with about eight minutes left in the uh, in the game, is taking selfies, <laughs> selfies, self, <laughs> selfies in the stands. So, uh, but but look, I, I'm
0: yeah. Uh, if there's one clip I'm showing my team from that game. Yeah, if I'm saying. Yes. It's the opposing starting quarterback taking selfies in our yes. in our building. Oh you yeah, know, with, absolutely. With about a half of football to go. Yeah,
1: yeah. But 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 look, it, it was a they've got a lot of work to do to but to, to put to put it, to put it mildly. But uh, yeah. and they've got Charlotte, they got South Carolina State that that will help them, and then Kentucky before they get a break. But uh, look, Spencer Rattler or not, and you said this earlier in the year. Uh, It's great to have Rattler, but who do they have around him?
0: Yeah, just not enough right now there at South Carolina. As we get out of here, Brent, we had the 2023 SEC football schedule drop here in the last day or so. Uh, I think we're on the same sort of wavelength when it comes to schedule drops for the next season when we're not quite through September of this season. Can I get through September? (laughs) <laughs> Before we do a schedule drop for twenty twenty three, Brent, maybe?
1: I don't know. For a conference that prides themselves on being on the cutting edge of everything, or at least <laughs> they think they are. Uh look from a from a logical PR perspective, don't you drop your schedule when people are actually paying attention to it, like a January uh, – that, that, look, if they – Travis, if they do that in January, that's appointment viewing for people uh, because they're making their plans and so forth. But it would just – it just gets swallowed up with everything else. I, now, or if if they were going to have – okay – Oklahoma and Texas are joining the league and we're, and this is special and, and we're doing this in September because of that look i i, I mean i i watched it and there were some it, there was obviously some interesting things about it oh yeah I, I just thought the timing was unbelievable and and Trav again uh when, when in the world are we ever going to see Georgia going to Texas A and M? I don't get that one. Do you?
0: <laughs> or Texas A and M in Kentucky? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh the wait goes on. Mm. No, I mean even if you did it in December between the SEC oh, championship right. game and the start of the, I get it from a logistics standpoint. Sure. You got to get it out there, and mm. you know things plans have to be made, right. things like that. But wow. It just—I'm uh, not quite uh, as fired up about it nope. in late September as I as I might be otherwise. Well, Brent, always great stuff with you here on the podcast. Always look forward to hooking up, and a big weekend coming up. Can't wait to talk more about it next weekend. Preview the first Saturday in October, a month that will go a long way in shaping divisional races in the Southeastern Conference.
1: Uh, and, and Travis, we go out here. Pops' behavior at Bowls Trinity. What was he? Yeah. Was he exemplary yeah, in his behavior? Yeah, I took him to the
0: high school football game last Friday night. He was fine. You know, he did good. And <laughs> took him to his favorite sub joint yeah. uh, before the game. Good. Uh, he enjoys that roast beef sub <laughs> at his uh, place. Uh, Uncle Charlie's yes. is his place over on the west side. He loves Uncle Charlie. has been there for 100 years, it seems like. So, no, Pops was good. He was good, good. good. All right, Brent. Look forward to next week, my
1: man. Me too, brother. Take care.
0: For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping. If you haven't subscribed to the pod as of yet, we hope you'll do so. Wherever you consume podcasts, you're going to find Second Helping. If you'd leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. For Brent Beard, executive producer, Bill Oakley, I'm Travis Schreier. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, song everybody.